Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Guys, we got a good episode today. This is a topic that a lot of vet clinics are very interested in. What do you do when the staff is divided on COVID? What do you do when you've got some people that are not uh, on board with COVID protocols? They don't want to wear masks. They don't believe this is a big deal. And then you've got other people who are very concerned and do believe it's a big deal and really, really, really don't want to get sick. What do you do? That's what we're talking about here. Before we get into it, I've got two quick things to tell you. Number one, on Wednesday, August the 5th, that's a week from when this podcast comes out, I am running a workshop. This is an efficiency workshop. We are going to go through and break apart your appointments, like the main appointments that you see. So if you're a GP, this is going to be just your standard appointment process. If you're an emergency clinic, it's going to be your emergency appointments coming in. But we are going to go through and we are going to take it and we're going to look at it from above. And we are going to say, hey, what did you do when you were reacting to COVID and changes that were being made? And we're going to throw all that stuff away. I want to look at your whole appointment process. We're going to break it up into pieces. We're going to do the pre-appointment communications, like when they call on the phone and getting appointments scheduled and do you have enough uh, walk-in slots and do pet owners coming in know about your policies and what to expect so you can avoid conflict and confrontation at the front desk. And then we're going to go into receiving the pets and then we're going to go into the appointment itself and then we're going to go into discharging and then we're going to go into follow-up. We're going to break appointments apart like that. We're going to go through each one. I want you to do some pre-work and uh, look at your own appointments and be ready to talk about them, look at them, decide what's working for you, what's not working for you, and then we're going to run a workshop style so that you get information and ideas from other people. We are going to share best practices, what is working, what is not working. We're going to talk about these technologies. We're going to talk about all the things that are going to help make your appointments better, smoother, faster, more efficient. That is a workshop. It is Wednesday, August the 5th. I will be running it. I will put a link in the show notes on how you can get there. Um, It is free to Uncharted members. It is $99 for members of the public. My advice, honestly, is to jump in, get signed up. I'll send you a worksheet ahead of time to go ahead and start breaking apart your appointments. Talk to your leadership team. Talk to your uh, to your staff leads, your uh, your team leads, and ask them if they're seeing what you're seeing. If you guys agree that this is how your appointments go and this is what you guys are doing, get buy-in, get ideas from them, and then you can attack it with a robust understanding of what's happening in your practice. You can always add those guys to the workshop as well and get them in there, and then they'll get new ideas as well, and they'll talk to new people, and they will get some tips, tricks, hacks, ideas to make your practice better. Let's ratchet up the efficiency. Let's get things running as smoothly as we can. So that's Wednesday, August 5th, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific. I'd love to see you there. That's number one. Number two, on this podcast, Stephanie Goss and I really do try to practice what we preach. We try to uh, to lead by example, if you will. We try to do the things that we pray for or we, that, we, uh, that we talk about and we advocate for. Um, and so we are going to be taking a little break for the next couple of weeks. Uh, Steph and I both have young kids, and we are both sorting out the school stuff and getting them back to school, and we are both finishing up the summer. And we are going to, we may, uh, may just take a couple weeks off. I think what I'm probably going to do is pull back my personal Hall of Fame episodes of the Uncharted podcast. These are my favorite ones from the first uh, year and a half that we have done. There's some at the very beginning a lot of people have not heard that they should hear. So I'll probably be pulling some favorites out and we'll be reposting those. My plan is for us to come back around the time that school starts back. So probably mid-September, 
we are going to go ahead and, and we're going to start building up a stockpile so that it's not on us every week to rush and get an episode out. So that's just that's just us trying to walk the talk. You know, we tell everybody, set your priorities, uh, figure out what you can do, what uh, what is feasible, what is realistic, and then do it. And right now, we're just both slammed. And this is something we've been, we've done about 90 consecutive episodes. You know what? If we take a month off, it's not going to be the end of the world for anybody. So we're going to do that. Uh, and then we'll be back in September rocking and rolling. The podcast isn't going anywhere. I love it. It'll just be time to take a break, and we'll call it season two after that. So anyway, guys, that's enough about what's going on with us. Let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie. United we stand, divided we fall. God. <laughs> oh, I like, I like that one. How's it oh, going? That's a, it's it's well, it's crazy. It's uh, it's okay. Uh, it's I mean, I think and you and I were talking before we got on here. Um, I think you and I are living the experience that most of our listeners are living, yeah. where we've got um, we've got a lot on our plate. And we've got uh, trying to do summer stuff. I'm trying to go to the beach with my family next week. And all the restaurants in town are they're going to be shut down, which is great because I'm going to go into them anyway. Right. <laughs> but you still go like, oh, crap. You know, and, and I, I walk through the process and I'm like, when we go to the beach, we don't hang out with anybody. You know, like we go and there's a little condo that we stay in. And we're going to do all the precaution stuff and show up a day after the cleaning people, like come a day late and, and right. I clean and wipe everything down when we get there. But then we don't hang out with other people and we just go to the beach and we go to the pool. And again, we just sort of stay away from other people. This should not be a problem at all, but you still like, you still have these ideas of like, what are, you know, are we being ridiculous first of right. all, or are, are we being overly afraid and overly cautious to the point of, you know, damaging our kids' abilities to socialize, you know, and, right. and social skills with their friends. Like the, the I, I think I think a lot of us are trying to walk that line of am I taking this too seriously? Am I taking this not seriously enough? And then we're just overrun at the clinic with regular summer stuff. Right. Plus a backlog of stuff from when a lot of us were locked down. Yeah. And um, and then just increased time that it takes to do things with people wearing um, PPE and, mm -hmm. you know, and us trying to have social distancing and and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, just being totally transparent. That's where I am. I expect that's where a lot of our people are. Yeah, I I feel that. And, uh, you know, was talking with some friends from our community last night who are practice owners and talking about what's happening in their clinics. And, um, it, it made me feel better because I definitely felt like I was not alone. Like clearly everybody is having similar concerns. Um, it also made me super geeked out, uh, and excited to, um, to do our workshop tonight. Yeah. Um, when we're recording this, we are getting ready to do our, are, uh, you know, how do we, how do we thrive and survive at the same time during COVID? Um, and I'm just excited to talk about like, what are, what are some real practical things that we can do 
and really do some like goal setting for how in the midst of all of this chaos, in the midst of um, being having to put out fires all day, every day, the reality is we still have to solve some of the problems. Like Mm -hmm. we could keep treading water for a while, but at some point, if we don't actually like spend the time starting to figure out how to swim at some point, treading water isn't good enough. Right. And that's, that's, I know how, that's how I feel in the clinic. And, um, a great example for us was, you know, when COVID first started, we, we quit having regular team meetings and that's a huge thing for me because we do a lot of, a lot of team education and, um, a lot of work on, on our business to really get better. And we quit during COVID cause it was just like, oh, we can't, nobody could handle it. It was just like, we, we cut our hours and we couldn't think, couldn't justify taking more hours off of the schedule. Well, then mm-hmm. as we started to slowly kind of go back to the normal routine and add, pa- you know, add patient hours back to the schedule, it was like all of this stuff is happening and we need to talk about it as a team, but we, we don't have any time to do it. Um, and so it's been shifting back into that, that reality of like, we, if we don't sit down and start to actually problem solve some of this stuff, we're going to keep running into the same brick wall. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I think that, I think that that is a beautiful example of where most of us are, where most practices are. Uh, yeah. we had a pandemic come through and it kept getting worse and worse and, uh, things were changing by the day and most of us took what we were doing and we bent it. Right. You know, and we slapped some duct tape on it and we taped on a new piece or a filter, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, and, right. Or, or we just said, "Well, we're not going to use this thing anymore," right. and just just shut, shut it, it off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Like not doing this anymore, and we dumped it. And that was probably what needed to happen at that time when we were being forced to adapt as quickly as possible. But n- at some point, you say, "Hey, we slapped this thing on with duct tape." Right. And that is what we needed to do at the time. But duct tape is not a permanent solution. We're going to need to go back and look and maybe get a new piece, you know, maybe figure out a different way to attach this or to do this given our current reality, because this hodgepodge, you know, scotch, scotch tape and popsicle stick fix that we did, it held together for a month. And at this point it's held together for five months but it's not how I want to practice. Right. Yeah. And so I, I, I mean, think that's where most of us are. I think that's the focus of the, of the workshop tonight. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think a lot of clinics have come to that realization where it was like, look, we, we, we absolutely 100% duct tape bandaided this and it worked and it worked, it worked well for a lot of us. And at the time when we used duct tape to make that bandaid, we were looking at this like, oh yeah, you know, this a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks, like we can get through this. Now I think the the reality has set heavy with everyone that that we're starting to look not just in terms of weeks or months, but we're really starting to look long term and people are thinking about kids going back to school and next year and flu season next year and like all of these things that have people looking ahead. And when you start to do that, I think the the realization sits and is sitting with a lot of us as like, I don't know that these duct tape band-aid solutions are going to work to yep. look ahead to even the fall, let alone, you know, yeah. January or February. And so I think that's where a lot of us are. Here's the analogy that's in my head, right? I heard these guys talking and they were talking about uh, working out and they're really into working out, right? 
because they're talking about working out. And they said, you know what's awesome is there's about a three-week window when you have been working out like crazy, and then you just stop working out. And you're like, man, this is great. I've got this extra time. I'm pretty much eating whatever I want. I still look good. And for about three weeks, you can just lay around and eat, do whatever, (laughs) and you still feel good, and you still look good, and, you know, whatever. But then after about three weeks, that's when you start to go, oh, (laughs) oh, you know, like, Starting, you know, starting to start. <laughs> my pants are, you know, fitting more tightly. <laughs> like, uh, you know, just uh, all the all those sorts of things. And, and it's funny because I, I think for a lot of us, when COVID hit, we stopped working out. We stopped doing the right. the, the workout stuff in our right. practice. So we mm-hmm. like COVID hits, and we're like, we don't have time for these team meetings, and so we drop right. them. And at first, you're like, this is great. We've right. got this extra time. Yep. We're getting stuff done. Uh, everybody's still on the same page. And it's because you're riding the momentum of what you had. But after a while, everybody's not on the same page, (laughs) you know, and the original reason that you started these team meetings that comes back and you go, oh, Mm -hmm. I thought we could just put this aside and be okay." And you can for a month or two months or four months. But ultimately, it's payments going to come due. Yeah. And and that's where a lot of us are, I think. And so. The answer, I think a lot of us are, are frustrated because we're going, oh, crap, I dropped staff meetings uh, mm-hmm. or, or or morning rounds mm-hmm. so we could get more stuff done. And that worked for a while. Mm-hmm. And now I'm still overwhelmed. I'm just as overwhelmed as I was when I stopped doing staff meetings. Mm-hmm. And my team is not on the same page. And we're having all these headaches that used to be fixed or right. avoided by having staff meetings. And I, I think that that's the pain point that a lot of us are in. And I think that that is going to be the uh, the thing that most of us have to address. But yeah. I want to say, we can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, we can do this. This too shall pass. Yeah. We will be okay. The people who are not going to be okay are the ones who keep their head in the sand. And, and they just like, we're just going to keep going with our duct tape popsicle stick solution. Right. You know? <laughs> And, and your people are burning out and yeah. there's, there's an increased frequency of crying mm-hmm. in the vet clinic, which oh, honestly, yeah. if you're not measuring the crying frequency in your clinic, I think you're missing a trick. I think, I think the frequency with which people cry at your practice is something you should pay attention to because Absolutely. it is a leading indicator of how people are, are, are doing over the Oh, for, sh- for sure. For sure. Well, and I think, I think it's interesting because we have, we have one that, um, kind of came to us um, <clears throat> through the mailbag here where I think um, I think it really ties back to being in that space of like, we all kind of duct taped it together and now we're recognizing that we mean, need to make some changes and those changes are probably going to require us to go back to some of what we knew we needed in the first place um, for some of us. And for some of us, it's the very dark and hard realization that maybe we hadn't done enough preparing ahead and now we have to do some hard work and how do we do that hard work when um you know the chaos of summer is happening and the shit is you know absolutely hitting the fan for so many clinics um right now so i'm i'm excited to to talk about this one because i i think it's a i think it's something that i have seen a lot of our a lot of our friends feeling and i know i i felt it in the clinic myself with my team Okay. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, we had, 
we had a practice owner who was uh, who was sharing some information with us, and she was saying that she has her team seems to have two schools of thought regarding COVID in the clinic. She's got a group that feels like uh, they're way overreacting, that masks are totally unnecessary. They are going, they think that they can and are going out on the weekends and they want like life to go back to normal. And then the other school um, or group within the clinic feels like they have really strong concerns because they are living with high risk people. They are high risk people. Um, and, or they simply are at the point where they recognize that the clinic being shut down is a possibility and they don't want to see that happen. And so, um, this practice owner was saying that they were more on the cautious side and they're, they're really trying to make the rules and do the right thing for their team, but they're feeling exhausted by fighting the team to both make and enforce the policies. And they were, um, you know, like, how do, how do I get them all the, on the same page? Do I just tell them that these are the rules at work and not worry about what I know that they're doing on their, their time off? Um, and so I, I totally get that. I've asked myself that question. Oh yeah. I think, I think most of us have seen, uh, you know, our friends out like at, at a party with their friends at some point, you know, not, all of our friends, but we all have those friends who are like so glad to see these girls again and they're all together, you know, and you go, Whoa, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. I hear this. And I think this is, I think this is very common. I don't think that, I think this may be the first time we've really seen this issue. I don't think it's going to be the last time having a team divided over COVID. I think that we are going to see, increasing divisions in our teams in the coming years, just like we're seeing increasing divisions in our country in the coming years and, and, and right now. So let me, let me unpack that and say, say what I mean. I don't believe necessarily this is a COVID problem. I think this may be a state of the world, modern mm -hmm. media, pol political problem, honestly. Sure. So our, our country, so we're, you and I are in the States, uh, we are deeply divided about uh, a lot of things and we are becoming divided about things we should not be divided about like mm -hmm. the politicization of um of just of facts is becoming a, a massive problem where you believe in this then you're with them and if you believe this you're with us we are having a politic a politicization of science meaning you know if you believe that you're on the left uh you know and right. we we're having, uh, it's the same thing with books like Harry Potter has become political. And if you let your kids read Harry Potter, that means you have certain political views in the U S and like, right. that's messed up because it's a wonderful story. And, uh, science is not a politics position, right? It doesn't right. belong to a political party. Please God, right. don't make it belong to a political party. But but we see it. There's movies that are that way, you know, that are sure. for some people and not for other people. And and there are certain sports. If you watch the sports, you're with these people. And that it didn't used to be that way. You could you could have your politics as a side as a side piece, and right. everybody could watch the same movie, and everybody right. could go to the same sports thing, and we could all believe that vaccines cure cancer, and we could or vaccines uh, cure disease, and uh, we could all believe that the world is round. Right. And that, you know, and we could look at data and decide whether climate change exists or not, you right. know, 
but they weren't tied to any sort of political thing. So right. I'm kind of ranting now, but um, but that's where things are, and that's where they're going, in my opinion. First of all, do you believe with that, or am I being wild conspiratorial about the divisions between people? No, I I, I think I think you're you're spot on that it has become um, there have become significantly more things that are being attached to um, taking sides, whether, mm-hmm. whether you're talking about it from a political stance or not, it's like, um, you know, do, do you, are you going to be on this side of the belief or are you going to be on this side of the, the belief? And, and for things that, that you mentioned, um, you know, like the idea that the earth is round, <laughs> um, right. you know, things that we have scientifically um, proven and have facts on things that, um, a lot of people wouldn't think twice to say there's no argument here, um, really are, are starting to have arguments. And so I think, I think you're totally right there. And I think for a lot of us, our hospitals and our teams for a really long time have always been a little safe bubble Mm -hmm. from that because we didn't, we didn't talk about politics at work, right? Like we didn't, we didn't talk, um, for, for a lot of us or uh, you know, um, there was uh, the separation of church and state, if you will. The fact that we came to work, we did our work, and and pieces of our personal lives, and I would put politics in that um, arena, didn't didn't come into play for the majority of us within right. our clinics. Yep. And now I feel like um, because there has become the polarization of so many of those issues less and less of that is staying outside of our, outside of our teams. And with COVID hitting, um, it has really thrust that front and center for, for our teams in a way that we never have had to deal with before. And now all of a sudden there is no safe bubble and we are all looking at our teams who, who are all different human beings living different lives and have different beliefs and are forced to actually look at that in the face of a work climate and a work environment. And none of us have ever really had to do that. Right. No, and that's, I completely agree. I just, I I think it's going to keep happening. I I hate to say it. I think as, as more things happen in our, in our life and in our world that people have strong differing opinions on those things do get into practice in a way that they haven't in the past, you know, and I, I completely agree. It was separation of church and state, you know, you can vote for who you want to vote for. You can believe what you want to believe, but we all come together here at the clinic and we serve pets and we do the medicine that we do. And uh, you know, what matters to me most is how do you treat me? How do you treat the clients? How do you treat the patients? Uh, Do you know your stuff and do you work hard? And those are the things that, you know, that mattered. And we're seeing more and more times when differences in worldview, and I think maybe our worldviews are be going farther apart. I think we're seeing differences in worldview more frequently in practice. And so the two that I'll throw right now is you know, COVID. Some people saying this is a hoax. This is mm-hmm. fake. This mm-hmm. is a complete overreaction. And other people saying this is the apocalypse. This is the plague. You know, we're all right. going to die. Um, right. and, and you said split. The other one that was recently was uh, about uh, racial injustice protests. Black right. Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. Like a lot of us saw those conflicts in our practices where people, they brought them to work. And you right. say, God, we're talking about racial injustice at our vet clinic. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's good or bad, but 
it's not something most of us had to navigate in the past. It was right. just the thing where we showed up and we worked for for better or worse. It just stayed outside the practice, and now now we're it's kind of thrust in our thrust in our in our face to deal with. So yeah. that's I, the I, overall state of the world. And I don't say that to bring people down, but we have to see that to address what is going on because this is really not an issue of COVID. I believe in COVID. You don't believe in COVID. Mm -hmm. It really is a larger issue. I think if you want to make real change and set yourself up for real success, know that division between worldviews is a thing. And then we can build systems to address those things. And I think that's what we have to do. So COVID is the example today, but I think that the system is larger than just COVID as far as getting people to come together to support uh, the practices that we have decided we are going to follow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I agree. So let's go after it like we do a regular uh, practice problem. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's start with Headspace. And let me just say here, um, I, you know, I, I don't hide my politics, but I, I don't dig into them. And I, I don't want to do that here. Um, I want to do this podcast with the idea of I don't know what is true uh, as far as the danger level of COVID. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to take I don't want to take sides and say we we're right. So this is what you need to tell people to do. Right. I, I want to take it from we have a staff that is divided and they both have different worldviews or beliefs. And I'm not here to be the judge of those beliefs, even though I have my own views and opinions. Sure. The the way that we approach it is exactly the same, regardless of what you believe, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think for both of us, the place where it starts is that recognizing that everyone does have beliefs mm-hmm. and that um, what makes the strongest practices, I think, in both of our opinions are practices that have recognized that everybody has beliefs and have come together to say, these are our practices, core beliefs. Yes. Um, because that, when you start from that place of building a foundation, you have the ability to unify your team in a way that is dramatically different from saying, we're just here to serve the pets. Yeah. The path to devastation is to let people dig into what they disagree on. Mm-hmm. Because when people dig into what they disagree on, uh, all they see is total conflict. They focus right. on all the things that they don't like about the other person or they don't agree with. And it seems like this um, like this this obstacle that can't be overcome. The first step to dealing with this is laying out what are our shared beliefs, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and this sounds so basic, but it's totally true. The way around a lot of division in the practice is to have shared beliefs that you come back to and say, you believe these things and I believe these things. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the things that we believe and let's find our path forward through our shared beliefs. Right. Right. And I think that what happened in in the case of COVID is a lot of times we never took time as we were frantically trying to make adjustments to reference the changes we were making in the context of what we all believe Mm -hmm. or what our shared beliefs are. Mm -hmm. So 
if you haven't had that culture or belief conversation in your practice, you're working from an inherently weak position in my mind. Mm -hmm. You are going to have problems with behavior. You are going to have problems with getting people to buy into just straight up practice changes that you want to make. Yep. Getting new equipment of doing new protocols. You're going to struggle to get people to buy into that. And you're definitely going to struggle to get people to buy into COVID protocols that you've decided you want your practice to follow. And it's amazing to me how often people, I think the culture and the core values and the core beliefs get blown off as woo-woo stuff, you know, touchy-feely kumbaya stuff. They are the most powerful management tool in your toolbox Mm -hmm. is getting together and getting people on the same page and saying, we all agree that we believe in these things, that these things are what we care about and what we do. Mm-hmm. So what is what does that look like, right? Um, when we talk to our team, let let's let's um, let, let me give you some examples of things that tend to come up as, as core values. When okay. we talk to our team and we say, "What do we care about? Who are we? Mm-hmm. What makes us special? Why would it?" And this is my favorite, one of my favorite questions. Why would anyone come to this practice as opposed to the three practices closest to it? Why why mm-hmm. would they come here? What do we have? What are we about? And from a culture perspective, a lot of things I see are we look out for each other. Mm-hmm. We watch each other's backs. We look out for our clients. We look out for and we, we serve our community. Mm-hmm. We learn and we grow. We review data and make decisions based on the best science, even if it means changing what we've done in the past. Mm-hmm. Those are all core values that I have seen in practice. And, and, and they tend to be fairly common, especially that we look out for each other. Mm-hmm. We serve our community. If we can talk about look at how we look out for each other, mm-hmm. now I can talk about COVID safety protocols in the context of what does it mean for us to look out for each other? You may not believe this, but other people do believe it. Mm-hmm. And how do we come together so that everyone feels like they're taken care of, right? What does it mean to take care of our community and people in our community Mm -hmm. what does it mean to serve our clients i think those are the better questions than you need to wear a mask true or false right yeah yeah well and i think i think it becomes it becomes um significantly easier to if you have at a foundational level everybody believing in the common uh truth for your team that you look out for each other that you serve your community that you learn and you grow you grow um it becomes easier to then say okay um uh we we want to protect each other and so we look, we are scientists. We are in the field of medicine. We are making decisions for our patients based on data and science. And so we want to protect our teams. So we are going to more easily be able to say, well, if we believe in science, then who are the scientific experts when it comes to what is happening in the world right now. Okay. It becomes easier to have the conversation to say the CDC and, or, you know, like who, um, the world health organization to be able to say, okay, these are really smart people. This is what they do. This is their wheelhouse. 
So what is the data and science showing them? What are they saying? What are the recommendations? And then to be able to say, okay, we're taking all of that in and we're looking at it from the perspective of we want to serve our community. We want to look out for one another, for our teams and for our clients. So here are some ideas and some ways that we may be able to do that. That becomes a much easier conversation if you have already had the conversation and put the foundation in place that you have a culture and this is what you all agree that you believe on a fundamental level. Right. I split, I split those things out, you know, and there's a lot of overlap, but, but let me just, cause I've been thinking a lot, a lot of, about this and sort of teasing these. I, I think there's two things here. I think a lot of times people act like there's one, there's two things. I think there's core values and core beliefs that are shared among the team. Okay. And I think we talk to the team and they tell us what those things are. I sure. don't think you dictate that to them. Yeah, you no. know, I mm-hmm. think I think it comes from them of, of what the team values are. And I think you need to run that exercise and see what your team values. Because regardless of what you're trying to do, if you talk to them about what they value, mm-hmm. what they collectively value, they'll listen. And you can make a better case than if you don't know what they value or they all value different things or they're not right. on the same page about why they work at this clinic then you're having a million different conversations and that's just, it's just, it's too much. It's too, it's too hard to to do. So there's the, what do, what are our shared beliefs? And we need to figure out what those are and they need to figure out what those are. The other one, the other part that I would tear apart of that is kind of this, who we are uh, perspective or this, who we are um, conversation. Mm -hmm. I think that's less from the team. I think a lot of that comes from leadership Mm -hmm. of saying, this is who we are. You know, this is, this is what I believe, or this is why I do this. And if you're not on board with this, this is probably not the right place for you. And that is, that is about, you say, core, belief, core beliefs of, of leadership. So I, I do feel like there's the established shared beliefs that we've all agreed to. And then there's things that are just true if you want to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that comes from the top down. And so shared beliefs, like I said, we look out for each other. We always have each other's back. We, uh, we take the absolute best care of our clients. We do a better job of communicating than anybody else. Those are things that my team believes. Uh, it may be that leadership says we believe in science. You know, like this, mm-hmm. We believe in science and we believe in the most up-to-date science. And this is what we believe. Or it may be we, uh, we believe in, um, I don't know, in serving the community, uh, including low cost or, or people who don't have resources, right? Uh, we believe in taking care of pets regardless of how much money their owner has. That, that can come from the top and just be like, this is who we are. This is why this clinic was set up. Mm-hmm. And again, if, if you're not on board with that, that'll make you a bad person. It just means that maybe this isn't the right clinic for you. Mm-hmm. So I know that's muddy, but I kind of pull those two things apart. I can tell you that the shared values are a heck of a lot more valuable and effective as far as getting things done than saying I'm the leader and this is what I believe and what our practice is built on. Still viable tools, but but not the same. Yeah, and and I think I think um, I think both of those things um, go straight back to your point that if you haven't had the culture belief conversation in your practice, that you're working from a weak position. If you don't know what your team believes, 
if you don't have that commonality, you have a significantly harder time as a leader than being able to turn to your team and say, this is what, this is what I stand for. This is what we, this is what I believe. And everybody here um, believes the same things. Um, It becomes harder to say as a leader, if you don't believe in these things, then this is maybe not the right team for you, right? Like that's a hard enough conversation, but if you don't have that foundation, it becomes significantly harder. Yeah. I believe that if you have that conversation about what do we believe, what are our core values, what are our shared values, and you live as the leader, you live your own values, um, you don't have to tell people Mm -hmm. this might not be the right place for you. Yeah. They know. Yeah. Like they, they know this is yeah. not the right place. It's, it is wildly apparent to everyone on the team is apparent to you. And it's apparent to them because we have discussed what we believe. And honestly, guys, discussing core values brings people to them. They, they, once these things are articulated, they can get their head around them. They can aspire to them. They can see them. And, and those values just become more clear in actions because, because they've been laid out. Yeah. And so again, and when I say what we believe, I don't want to get tied up again with COVID. What I'm talking about is the larger sense of how we treat each other, how mm-hmm. we treat pets, why we come here, what we think is important in life, uh, what we strive to achieve. Mm-hmm. And th- that, so that that's really what I believe. So all right, so we've we've kind of beaten all around this. I just I think this is the number one most important part of all of this is yeah. What like as the world divides, I think as leaders. We have to decide what we all believe in. Like as a team, mm-hmm. we have to really find what we all share, what our shared beliefs are. And we have to work to those and through those shared beliefs. Because otherwise, we will be having a different conversation for every issue that comes up. Yeah. And if we say, this is what we believe in, then we go back again and again and again to what we all believe in. And knowing that we are all here trying to get each other's backs, what does that mean in this context, right? When you have, when you have your core values, when you have a mission statement, core values and mission statement should be able to answer the hard questions for you. And people go, well, what are we doing about COVID? What does our mission statement say? Mm-hmm. And that may sound like magic, and it feels like magic. And if you have the right mission statement, you have a good mission statement, those are the questions you can put against it. And you can find your answers there. Mm-hmm. And you can show it to everyone and say, this is the mission statement that you guys came up with. Yeah. And this is the challenge that we're facing. What, do, what are we going to do? And that is a, a powerful, powerful tool for getting people to buy in at a fundamental level, not just a, okay, I'll go along with this level. Well, and it does, it's funny because it does feel somewhat magical and when you first start doing it like it's easy to not reach for that tool because it's new and it and it feels weird but it really it really does make it a lot easier to have those conversations and just like you know when you and I are having (laughs) having conversations about um you know what to do from a from an HR perspective or business perspective my first question is what is your what does your handbook say Mm -hmm. you know when when I'm talking to friends and and we're talking about cultural issues or um you know, team related issues that, that that's the, you know, the first question is, what do you, 
what what does your mission say? What is your what is your vision um, say? And and being able to look back at that and say, okay, this is our this is our north star. This is where we're heading. It makes it a little bit easier for for the team who doesn't have that like big necessarily have that big picture um, business vision that you as a practice owner or practice manager that comes a lot easier to you, it becomes easier for the team to say, this is who we are. This is what we believe. This makes sense. This decision makes sense. It's easier to give it context when you can go back to, um, the, the vision or, or the mission for sure. I agree. And so- it's, it's interesting because it's hard, right? Like we're all in the middle of craziness. We're all struggling to figure out how do we even have staff meetings? And I've had this conversation several times recently with uh, manager friends and we've actually been talking about the same thing. And I'm like, well, do you guys have, do you have core values? Do you have, do you have a a mission or a vision? Like what, what's your, where, where are you starting from? And their answer is no. And they're like, you know, I considering how do I do that is super overwhelming right now. And um, we were talking and one of them was part of the, you now it seems like overwhelming. You need to be able to break it down into this is how I actually do this process and figure it out. Because I think we have listeners right now who are, who are sitting here thinking, well, we don't have any of that. So how do I, where do I even start with that? Um, and so it was really funny because we were having the conversation. I was like, well, you know, Andy and I are going to teach our strategic planning class in January. And that's part of what we do. And they're like, yeah, great. I can't sit and wait until January to do, to do that. And I was like, oh, but the good thing is, you know, we, we had recorded the last one we did. Um, and so she was like, I went back and I watched and I was like, this seems doable. Like I could, I could figure out how to have a staff meeting and start this process. And it, and it, and it was, um, it was so nice to be able to say, okay, like, let's come up with a plan. Let's figure out how to do this because it does feel really overwhelming in the best of times. Like I Mm -hmm. did this with my team, not during COVID and the idea of trying to figure out who we were, what did my team think? What did I think as a leader? What did my medical director think, not only as a leader, but as a scientist and as a veterinarian? Like, how do we mush all that together? That's hard to figure out in the best of times. Yeah, I I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, so what is this? Where do we go from here? So let, I want to finish. I want to finish walking through the tools. Okay. The we talked about shared beliefs. What what can what can we agree on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, number two for me is the hard truths. And what I want to get, so this is Headspace. Um, what does my team believe? What do we all believe that I can go to? What commonality can I use to make my decisions and also to get them to buy in? Then number two, um, what are the hard truths that are just, to me, unavoidable? And when, I've, when we're talking about COVID, um, hard truths that are important to me are, People who want to be safe can't do it by themselves. Or people who people who, t- who believe because they're high risk or for whatever reason that uh, that they need to be concerned, they can't just protect themselves. Sure. You know, wearing a mask keeps other people safe uh, if you're high risk, but it doesn't necessarily keep you safe, as we know. And so right. if someone says, I am high risk, I am concerned, I am scared, I have a 90-year-old uh, dad that lives with me, that person cannot meet the requirements of safety by themselves, mm-hmm. right? Um, so even if someone says, 
I'm fine. I don't care. I'm not worried about this. The truth is, well, someone else is very worried about this. And you doing what you want to do and her doing what she wants to do are not, uh, that's not, oh, that's not a realistic way to address this solution because it doesn't protect her or doesn't meet her needs. And so we do need to come up with some sort of solution. There has to be some sort of shared plan just because letting everybody do what they want to do is definitely not, uh, it's not feasible. It is not effective. Number two, liability for providing an unsafe work environment. Uh, who knows what it's going to ultimately be? What will happen when someone uh, who is very concerned or high risk gets COVID and their employer didn't have protocols to protect them and they had complained multiple times and then they get sick and they have, they're on a ventilator, they rack up medical bills. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I think it probably is going to depend a lot on the state that you're in. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, it, there is no precedent set for this, Oh yeah. but it definitely, it's definitely in my head. And the last thing for me, um, the guilt that would be associated with one of my people uh, being hospitalized or, or dying uh, is something that I do not want to carry. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like that's, that's catastrophizing. That's thinking about how bad it could be. But at the same time, it's not outside the realm of possibility that what if someone came to work and got sick and they died or, you know, or they uh, infected other people who then passed away. Like, how would you as the leader decision maker at your work, how, how would you feel about that? And I don't think that should be totally dismissed. The The biggest takeaway, the hard, hard truth for me really is uh, I can't control what people do when they're not at work. That, that's the last one I think we have to put on the table because we hear so much about that. And they say, I see these people and they're at home and they're, you know, and they're hanging out with their friends and they're not taking this seriously and they're drinking at bars and not wearing masks. And like, except that you can't control people when they're not at work. And so whatever you decide to do has got to be about work and keeping people safe at work. Mm-hmm. I guarantee that your high risk person or person who lives with their 90 year old dad is not at the bar drinking, you know, they're at home trying to mm-hmm. be as safe as possible. What does that mean about keeping that person safe when they come to work? And so those are, those are the truths in my mind that I put down when I say, or right, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So all of the conversations that we need to have with our team talking about, talking about culture, but even just rolling it back to um, how do you start to get your team on the same page if they're clearly in different camps. And even if the decision, because a lot of practice managers and practice owners have certainly started from the place of just saying, these are the rules that I have made. Like I have looked at the information. This, These are the rules. And in this situation, what I say goes like even having that conversation requires um, some safety and Mm -hmm. it's a hard, it's a hard conversation. They're all, they're all hard conversations. And so I think the last, the last piece um, in terms of headspace here is very much going back to what we always talk about, which is that it, you know, are we safe to have this, this conversation, you know, can, can we, we, can we sit here? Can we smile at our team members being asked? Can we 
can we sit next to them and say, I feel okay to have this conversation. And if you're super amped up and if you're super angry because, you know, you just saw social media posts from your team sitting at the bar, drinking two feet apart from each other, and that goes against what you're trying to do to protect them, probably not the best time to sit down and try and yeah. have that conversation with them, right? Yeah. And that's when we want to have that conversation is, right. you know, or, or we just see something on social media in general that, that gets us fired up and we're like, I'm going to go flaming raging sword of justice and I am going to go and put the rules down. Right. Uh, that That's probably not the right, the right time to do it. So yeah. Um, assume good intent. It's really easy if you believe strongly and say, Hey, um, this is, this is real and we really need to protect our people. Um, it is really easy to feel like people who don't believe what you believe, they don't care. Right. They, they, uh, it's easy to, to put some, to, you know, to, to make them a straw man, someone who's like, Oh, they just believe that this is not important and they don't care about anybody but themselves our minds, especially when we're tired and we're stressed, our minds tend to go there. That's that's not true, and it's not productive. Assume that everybody is doing their best to figure out how to live their life, and you know, and that they're trying. Just yep. just make that assumption, right? Has this person been set up to fail? Um, what what here is my fault? Well, maybe we haven't communicated our values to these people, right? Like it's what's done is done. We can work from there. Uh, have they been set up to fail? Yeah, sure. There's plenty of uh, quote-unquote news sources out there that share unreliable information, misinformation. Like these things, these things happen. It's not hard to understand how someone could believe something different from what you believe. Again, sure. if you just take it as, oh well, okay, this is probably a thing that happened. That's fine. And the last one is, what is the end result? Like, what are we trying to accomplish here? Yeah. And uh, and I think that we should have some idea of where we're going and what we want our protocols to be. Yep. So those are the three headspace things, I think. Um, what are our shared beliefs? What are the hard truths that I, as a leader or manager, believe? And yeah. then the last one is, am I safe to have this conversation? Mm -hmm. can, I, can I be productive as I go in and not use the flaming, raging sword of justice? Yeah. All right. Let's talk to the team. Okay. All right. How do you start this conversation? It's a hard uh, conversation, like we yeah. said. I think, um, I think for me, generally, conversations, I would say generally, uh, where I start is beginning with the end in mind. But I think here, when especially when you're talking about something that is belief-driven and mm -hmm. emotionally charged, you the only way that you're going to get productive conversation and buy-in is to start with the why. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. I like agree. you, you, if your team doesn't know why you're doing something, the ability to get total buy-in is slim to none. You'll get a few people who just automatically either agree with what you're saying, or even if they don't agree or understand what you're saying are like, well, you're, you're my leader and I believe in you. So I'm going to go along with what you're doing. But the majority of your team, if they don't understand why you're doing something that you're doing, it, it's going to be a struggle bus. You're going to be mm -hmm. pushing them up the hill versus them being behind you, um, trying to walk up it together. Right. I, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think the other thing is a lot of people choose week wise and, uh, I know why they do it, 
but people will say, guys, we're going to make these changes because this is what the CDC recommends. Sure. And that's not compelling to people who don't believe the CDC is, right. a, you know, is a competent agency. Um, that's, you know, that's sort of saying this, this government agency said a thing and that's why we're going to do it. That's not compelling. I think that you can put that forward. It's quick and easy to say. And I think that it's a supplemental reason, but I care about you all and you guys have, some of you live with elderly people. Some of you have children. Some of you are, um, you know, have asthma. Some of you, you know, whatever. Some of you I'm sure are the, are a blood type that, that makes you predisposed to have problems. And I care about you. Mm -hmm. And even, I know some of you are strong as bulls. And you are, you know, as healthy as a horse. Right. But, but others are not. Right. And, and we've, we're going to look out for our team. And so I need you guys to step up and take care of each other. Because yeah. even though you're strong like bull, other people may not be. And I need you to look out for each other, guys. And that, as opposed to, well, the CDC says we should wear masks. Right. Those are different things, and I hope they feel different when you hear me say them. Well, and I think in the beginning, when all of this started, and I, I will fully admit to this, um, that the latter is actually where I started, right? The CDC or OSHA said, these are, the, these are what you have to do as an employer. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to the team and said, these are the things that I now have to do. So these are the things that we're going to do. Like I, yep. I, they know me, they know I'm a rule follower from that perspective. And so, um, but it skipped because I was, we were all changing 95 things a day, every yep. day for weeks. Right. And so we were all just trying to adapt. And so I think in the rush to do that, so many of us skipped the step of, but why are we actually yeah. doing it? We, we bent it, so it and duct taped easier. it. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, that's exactly what I'm talking about is we were just like, OSHA says this. Right. And so we're doing it. Right. Start now right. and get back to work. And that's right. where we were. Right. That is the, the quintessential example of um, we are reacting. Everything is changing by the minute. I don't have time to tell you why. I just need you to trust me and do it. Right. And, and as a leader, you can play that card sometimes, but it runs out real fast. Right. And right. it is not a long-term play. And in my experience, if you say, I just need you to do it, uh, you need to come back later and say, okay, let's unpack what happened right. and, and, and why, and why we did this. Well, and I think for so many of us, myself included, when all of this started and I pulled that lever and I, in the beginning, I pulled it fairly frequently. It was like, mm -hmm. Look, this is the, this is the information from the state or from OSHA or from the county health department. And so this is what we're doing. Um, and it wasn't just a one-time, one-time thing. It was over and over again. When I was doing that, it was very much because when this started, I was thinking about it in terms of weeks. I think we all were. It was like, yeah. we're going to, you know, like this, this will, this will be a couple of weeks and then, th mm. then we'll go right back to normal. And so it didn't, it didn't even occur to me to think beyond the short term and think that I needed to come back and talk about why I did it because I just thought it will make sense. This will all be done. And then we'll move on with our lives. Yeah. Sustained compliance was not a thing right. <laughs> that we thought we were going for. Right. <laughs> I just need you to do this for three weeks. Right. And then we'll see where we are. Right. Like, well, and it was the same in communicating with our clients, right? Like when we first mm -hmm. started telling them, hey, we're 
you know, we're not going to have everybody come in the building because we want to protect you from us and us from you. And that made total sense. And the clients, the clients understood in the very beginning, I think for all of us, even those of us that are on a hot struggle bus right now with getting our clients to understand in the beginning, our clients were like, Oh, thank you so much. We appreciate all you're doing to protect us. You know, we heard that over and over again. It made sense to everybody because everybody was thinking about it in a very short term perspective. Mm -hmm. And now we're in a place where we are all sitting around looking at the duct tape and popsicle stick going, Mm -hmm. this is not working. We have to fix this. And we're tired. Yeah. I mean, everybody's tired. Our clients, they were more compliant when we started. And now I think people are just tired. They're tired of being quarantined. They're tired of being socially distant. They're tired of wearing a mask. And that's not, a, that's in my opinion, that's not an excuse to stop doing the things right. that we need to do. Right. But the duct tape is not holding up as well as it did when everybody was on board and thought this was a short-term thing. I really do believe for most of us, we have got to take the duct tape part off yep. and put in a new and different part that was built to handle the situation that we're dealing with now. Yep, we have got to talk. And it, Again, I don't want anybody to feel guilty about the fact that they just said, OSHA says this and we did blank, blank, blank. I did it. You did it. Everybody did it because yeah. we were going as fast as we could go. Sure. The, what I really want to impress on people is uh, we're in this and we're five months in and things are not changing for most of us any anytime soon, right. which means if we want to continue doing uh doing what we need to do, we've got to go back and rebuild that piece at this yeah. point. And rebuilding it means, guys, let's step back for a moment. You're giving me a weird look. Why are you doing that? Uh, I'm giving you a weird, I'm giving you a weird look because I, uh, I froze for a second and you were a little bit of an alien face, but I totally agree with you. I think, um, you know, the, the, the real answer to, to all of us being able to come up with a sustainable solution is that we have to roll it back and we have to go back to the very beginning and look at our foundation and say, who are we and what do we believe in and why are we doing these things that we're doing? Um, I think that that's, that's the only way to create a sustainable solution for, for our practices. The next part of the conversation for me is remember that all politics is local. All politics is local. Okay. The conversations at a theoretical level do not motivate your people. Talking about, well, you know, there's disinfection rate, and this is the percent of people who are being impacted. Those statistics are so high level, they they don't tend to they don't tend to motivate people the way that we want. A yeah. much more effective approach is to say, I care about you guys, the people in this building. In this building, we have people who are high risk. In this building, we have people who live with people who are high risk. Guys, look around the room. This is who I'm talking about keeping safe and who I want to keep safe. And that doesn't mean we don't care about society as a whole. I'm just talking purely about trying to motivate the staff. Too often we throw statistics at them or we just say, this is what's going on in the world. People don't share beliefs about what's going on in the world, which is sad, Mm -hmm. but they can absolutely look around their own practice and say, the policies we are putting in place are to protect the people in this room. 
Mm-hmm. They are they are to prevent, uh, protect Mrs. Jenkins. You know Mrs. Jenkins. She's eighty two years old right. and comes in with her Chihuahua. Right. She's high risk. Right. And we're going to take care of her. You know. So yeah. All when I think all politics is local. That's what I mean. I think people will argue to the death about national level politics because they aren't sharing um, a, a a case. Right. They're, it's not a case study. It's it's a big theoretical concept. Right. I think the best thing you do is make it about your people mm-hmm. and have them look at the faces of the people in the room because that's that's who we're trying to serve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think it's always that way, right? Like you think it can never happen to you until it does, um, and I think I think it makes perfect sense, and it's the best place to start to talk about how are you going to protect them, how are you going to protect your clients. I think the other thing that uh, is starting to impact more of us is we're starting to hear. Um, we're starting to hear more stories in our own communities um, where it, another veterinary hospital has has been hit or something has happened to someone you know. I know the first time that it became really starkly real for me was a was a manager who I know through VHMA um, and who I really admire and who um, has been out on maternity leave. And so uh, she's not been in the not been in, in the building and and. Um, she said, okay, you got, we're going to put these protocols and policies in place. And uh, wearing masks was a part of it. And a lot of the team was like, eh, there's nobody here paying attention to us. Um, and so a lot of them were not. And they have had to be closed now for going on three weeks because uh, the majority of their team, someone came up positive. And because they hadn't been really compliant about wearing their masks, the majority of the team has um, now gotten it. And l- luckily, knock on wood, the majority of them are young and not high risk. And so they have had, it has had low effect from a, um, you know, they're not lying in hospitals on ventilators, but it was eye opening to their, both to their local community and also to other practices that know them because it was like, holy, holy cow. Like this is, it's not just statistics. It's not something we're seeing on the news. It's, it's, it's having that personal connection Mm -hmm. that really makes it real. And so I think, what you said about talking about your your team and your clients, the people who are walking in the building, um, yes, it's about connect. It's about protecting our entire community and recognizing the fact that my clinic exists in a retirement community and we have a lot of elderly clients. That still is not um, gritty enough to stick with a lot of people. But saying, you know, Mrs. Jenkins who comes in with Fluffy is, you know, ha- is a, you know about to have. Uh, a, you know, cancer surgery or something that really makes that connection on a personal level um, and starts to make a difference. And I think as things continue to grow and spread, more of us are going to have that common community connectedness experience. Um, and at the same time, I think nothing is more impactful than looking at the team and saying, I like, I care about you. I don't, yeah. I like that when I hadn't even really gone that deep, but when I think about the people that I work with, the people that I uh, care so much about, and I sit there and and even think for a second about one of them really truly getting sick and being in the hospital, forget the life threatening scale of it. Like that is overwhelmingly frightening to me, and I would never want to do anything on a personal level that could jeopardize them in that way. And I think that 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 would be the same for all of our teams. You know, we do care about each other. Yeah, exactly. Set 
expectations uh, and let people know that you're serious. I like the idea of we had the conversation. We talked about the why. I love the idea of saying, hey, guys, so what do you guys think is important? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what have you seen that you think is beneficial? What do, you, what do you like about what we're doing? What's a struggle? Like, maybe there's things that we can do better. And that's mm-hmm. getting them to buy in. It's getting them to talk. It's, getting, it's letting you learn about what their struggles are. Like, mm-hmm. what, if there's pushback, why exactly is there pushback? Mm-hmm. So do that part. Ask them what they think. And ultimately say, all right, gang, here's what, here's what we're going to do. And I'm serious about it, you know? And so what does it mean to let them know that you're serious about it? There's sort of two, two things for me. The simplest thing and the one that is most often not done is just saying something when people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's amazing how many people are like, we need to be wearing masks. And then they see someone else in the clinic not wearing their mask and they go, oh, and they just walk away. Mm-hmm. And if this is something, especially as a leader, especially as a doctor, as a, as a, as a lead tech, you know, as whatever, just say something. And it doesn't have to be a preachy thing Mm-mm. just to do anything. I, I did it yesterday. I was, I said to someone, Hey, you better get your nose back in that mask. <laughs> and I totally, and, I, and I, I meant it. And I also meant it totally as a joke. And they were like, but I can't. She, she goes, she goes, I breathe in through my nose and out through my mouth. And I was like, you are not that coordinated. Put your nose back in your mask. And she did. And you know, and it's, that's, that's the point. Humor is your friend. Right. I was like, you're killing me, Smalls. Right. Dave, put your mask on. I'm not not playing with you anymore. I don't want your funk up in this beautiful face. Like, and I I will say, and that's kind of how I, how I say it. I was like, I I love your face. I don't want to see it. Right. Put your mask back on. and humor, that's when, that's when humor is really great, is if you can say something. And I, I, I've said it before jokingly, but true, you're killing me, Smalls, is one of my favorite lines in management. Because totally. it takes the edge off of what you're about to say. And right. says, I'm serious, but I'm also not mad. You're killing me, Smalls. Put your mask back on. You know? <laughs> say something. Oh, my you know, like, God. That, that's it. Like, when they, <laughs> when they don't do it and you don't say anything you're tacitly saying, I saw you do it and I didn't say anything to you. That must mean it's not that big a deal. You know, that is the, (laughs) that is the single most important thing I'm going to take away from this entire podcast is (laughs) telling my team, I love your face. I don't want to see it (laughs) 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 because that is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's the stuff. That's the stuff that works, though. You know, yeah, people don't want to be called sure. into the office. They want to sure. be shamed. Yeah. You know, anything. Just say it, and and say it with a smile, and say it with a laugh. Um, I make it a joke of like, God, I am not getting COVID. I am not getting. <laughs> I, I've got important things to do, and like uh, mow the grass, and uh, you know, and I just, I, I just, I will just riff on stupid stuff. But ultimately, the joke becomes Rourke's not getting COVID, and he's not messing around. And so I then I just say something. Yeah. Well, and I think when you're setting the expectation and you're you're following through and you're letting your team know that you're serious and you're giving them those gentle reminders, um, <clears throat> it becomes significantly easier to move to the next step and to have consequences and mm-hmm. to to say look, if I fundamentally believe that this is a requirement and we have all agreed that we're going to do this, when I need to hold somebody accountable, I, 
it is really easy for me to sit back as a manager and say, no, like if we, if we have all agreed that we are here to protect each other and we all, we all agree that, um, we're going to follow the science, um, and the recommendations, then it's really easy for me to say, I understand if you can't comply with that, but you can't be here if you can't. Yes. That's, that's, those are the consequences. Like, uh, it, like realistically, like I've, I've watched so many managers ha- go, well, how do I have the conversation with my team? Like, how do I tell them they can't be here if they don't wear a mask? To me, that's a simple thing. Like yeah. if, if I have actually, if I have actually talked to my team about what our beliefs are and said, this is what we believe and why we believe it. And everybody has been a part of that conversation and, and is on board. Um, then it becomes really easy to just say that and say, look, I get it. I, I love you. And I want you to be here if you can't do this thing. And, and we can't come up if there's a, and for a lot of people, it's like, well, I have people on my team and I, I do, for example, I have a, um, an assistant on my team who, when this all started, uh, she was great about wearing a mask and, um, started to have a skin reaction and had rash all over her face. And it was, it was a mess. There are people who for very legitimate reasons can't wear a mask. Okay. We still want to protect them. So how are we going to do that? We want to protect them and they want to help protect the rest of the team. So if we can make reasonable accommodations as an employer, how do we do that? And thinking through some of that on a logistical perspective, but if it's just truly a, I do not want to do this thing because I don't agree with it. Okay. I love you and I respect your decision. I can't have you here. Yeah. And so here's what the choices are. That conversation becomes infinitely easier um, when you have set the expectations, the team knows that you're serious about it and you lay out what those consequences will be if they can't do it. Right. I I love the fact that you brought up the person who has a a reaction to masks and how we're not being militant, uh, unreasonably militant here. But we said this is what it is. And if you come and say, I medically, for reasons I cannot do this, we'll work with you. But we'll also sort of communicate what we're doing so that other people don't, you know, can understand why why this person is exempt or this person is, uh, you know, they see them around without a mask or without the same mask, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. you got to have consequences. And and people go, I don't know how how the conversation. If you've laid the groundwork, that conversation is easy. I love you. I want you to be here. You can't be here if you don't wear your mask. Mm -hmm. Do you want to be here? That you know, that's it. So, yeah. Other things, last last moment things. Um, helping your staff communicate why you're doing what you're doing to the public is a way of helping them really grasp what you you know what you believe in. It's uh, them practicing talking about it to, with someone else is a way for them to really come to believe it themselves. And so, I, I think that that's true. You can definitely say we have uh, high risk employees. We have uh, uh, employees with high risk family members. And so we were following, following these protocols, something simple like that. One of the mistakes I see people when they're arguing with the clients about protocols is they get into detail and start unpacking it and they give them a bunch of information. There's a thing we do, uh, when, when businesses are attacked, it's called the broken record defense. And it's where you say, these are, these are the pertinent, Mm -hmm. pertinent points. And I'm going to repeat them again and again and again. And I'm not going to give you more information and I'm not going to let you get me off on a tangent. Mm -hmm. This is what. It is. And so giving them that piece where they can say, this is why we do what we do. Uh, We're sorry for any inconvenience. Mm -hmm. Yes, I understand. I hear you. This is why we do what we do. 
really sorry for any any inconvenience. Mm -hmm. You know, just preparing them to handle those questions, I think, uh, is important. And the last thing that I'll say on this whole thing about uh, sort of the division and the staff, some people will say, well, we're going to lose clients. I Just like I believe that you have to say to your employees and mean it, if you can't do this, you can't be here. Mm-hmm. I, you say the same thing to your clients. Mm-hmm. And if someone's like, I'm not wearing a mask, I'm coming in that building and I'm not wearing a mask. You have to mean it. You have to say, you can't be here. You need to go find another veterinarian's office. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and maybe they will. Mm-hmm. This is one of those times when there are not a lot of easy answers. And there's no right choice and you cannot make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. This really is a lot about beliefs and priorities mm-hmm. and knowing that other people are not going to have your beliefs and priorities and just making uh, a line in the sand. Yeah. And I think back to when, when things really started and, and for me, um, I chose to put the line in the sand pretty hard and fast um, on some things with our clients. And I really thought about this a lot and I was okay with it because I knew that the root why of what I was doing was because we have high risk people on our team and we have high risk clients. The first faces that came to mind for my team and myself were a series of clients who had been in in the last like two and a half weeks where it was really easy to say, this client is recovering from surgery. This client is 92 years old. This client is, you know, and, and put faces to that and say, and feel good and confident about saying, I want to protect those clients as well. Um, I want to protect, you know, Mrs. Smith who who came in with her newborn baby and was juggling the kid and the new puppy and all of the things Mm -hmm. like it's really easy to emotionally connect to that and feel confident having a conversation and being okay with letting go if you feel good about what you're standing for and why. If you're coming from a place of anxiety and just feeling like you're making the decisions that you're making because you don't want people to leave, at some point, that is not a defensible position and that starts to fall apart. And so it's really, it becomes a much easier conversation with yourself to be okay with the fact that people are going to go somewhere else. And that was the conversation that I then had with my team. Look, you guys, I am okay. If our clients really fundamentally don't believe in what we believe, I am okay if they go somewhere else. That's okay with me. And I want you to feel okay with that because I want you to know that I am okay with that. There's not going to be a mass exodus, just no. so you know. Uh, and and people, again, catastrophizing. They're like, but everyone's, I'm going to lose half my clients. No, you're not. No. There will be people who will grumble, and they'll put their mask on. And do you know how long they will think about the fact they had to wear a mask at your clinic? About two probably, seconds. Probably. Well, prob- well I was going to say, I, honestly, I probably 10 minutes after they've left your clinic. Right. And then they and they go on to something else. Right. I do not think they go home and say, can you believe I had to wear a mask right. at the vet clinic? There might be a couple of those people. Those people can leave. Uh, and honestly, those are clients that you might very well have want to have left uh, previously. Right. But there's not going to be a mass exodus. Uh, if people don't like it, generally they're going to get over it. And, you know, and then you can try to wow them and woo them. And when all of this mess is over, you can win them back and win back their love. And that's, that's, that's it. Anyway, 
All right, my friend. That's what I got on the divided staff. I hope it's helpful. What do you got? Any final words? That's it. I am super pumped and super geeked to talk to everybody tonight and and dive into this more and talk about like how do we how do we really try and fix these things in our practice because we're all grapple. I'm actually really excited to get some ideas for my own practice because yeah. I'm struggling with some of the same things and I'm like, oh, there's going to be other other managers and other tech managers. Like, how do we practically solve this workflow issue or that yep. you know problem? So I'm super I'm super pumped about it. Yeah. Be- well, that's the great thing about a workshop, right? We we work through it, we talk through it, we validate. You know, we we share ideas, we use yeah. the wisdom of the group. Yeah, it's going to be great. All right. See All right. I will talk to you later. All right. Have a good week, you guys. And that's our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some out of it. I hope it was a thought-provoking, stimulating, if you will. Uh, Steph and I are going to be making new episodes uh, in the next couple of weeks. Like I said, we're going to ratchet down the intensity level a little bit, but we're going to go ahead and start uh, getting stuff in the can. If you have things that you'd like for us to tackle, don't be shy. Go ahead and send them over. The email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. And it really uh, means the world to us when we get reviews. If you would be up for leaving an honest review on iTunes, that's great motivation for us to come back and uh, be fired up. So, Head over to iTunes, UnchartedVet.com. If you want us to just to stay away, you can leave a negative review, and it's not going to work because we're totally we'll be back no matter what. But that this is your chance to try. Anyway, we just want honest reviews, guys. Take care, be well. Talk to you later. Bye.